in our service this evening. It's great to see you all back. You people on my right deserve the certificate tonight. The left, I don't know what happened over there. I don't know if there's a draft or what it is, but, but that's empty. But all the rest here, yeah, that's good. So thank you for, for coming back. Hope that you have a terrific Memorial Day and time of celebration. Tonight I'm continuing our series on random thoughts uh, from the scriptures. So uh, we're ruminating tonight on uh, issues of uh, what should I do with our lives. Uh, so introduction. There are many difficult life choices in deciding what we should involve ourselves in and what we should refrain from doing. Uh, our lives are limited. Uh, there's only so much that any one of us can do. There are so many good things that um, rival for our, for our time. So uh, how can we have any kind of uh, perspective on what we should or should not do? So how can I decide what I should do? Well. What we should do, uh, well, what we do should bring glory to God. We know that, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So then that kind of begs the question, what brings glory to God? Well, certainly sinful behavior does not bring glory to God. It must be ruled out as inappropriate. I think that almost goes without saying, but yet <clears throat> it needs to be said because sometimes people choose things that are actually sinful. So, uh, simply put, anything that the Bible refers to as sinful or the Bible commands us not to do is to be avoided. Uh, I think it speaks for itself. The Bible is an objective standard. Therefore, it should be taken as the final authority. We shouldn't develop rationalizations that justify actions that run uh, contrary to the Word of God. Obviously, there are many aspects of our culture that flies in the face of scripture and so we must know what the Bible says and we must be willing to follow it. However, there are behaviors and activities that are not sinful in and of themselves that still should be avoided. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that such activities are not necessarily sinful in and of themselves but it still is not the best thing for us to do. The, down through the ages, the church has had a hard time distinguishing those things, uh, but uh, somehow we must make the demarcation uh, that uh, <clears throat> there are things which are in fact sinful because the Bible says that they're sinful. And then there are other things that the Bible does not call sin, and we shouldn't really call sin either, but necessarily are not what we ought to do. So, <clears throat> this is quite subjective. Uh, because the Bible doesn't address them specifically, that's why they become subjective. And uh, this is one of those things that might be okay for one person and not okay for another person. Uh, so how do you make that choice? What criteria can we use to make decisions regarding subjective activities or behaviors that should be avoided? Um, some of these, as I say, are more uh, obvious, some are less obvious. 
So I have two principles that we derive from the scripture tonight, where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be, domi- uh, I will not be dominated by anything. So when he says that all things are lawful, he's referring to those things that, in fact, the Bible does not call as sinful. If the Bible doesn't call it sin, then we are free in our Christian liberty to do it. But, Paul says, there's an overarching principle, and that is, I will not be dominated by anything. To be dominated, as it says in the NSB, is to be mastered, is to be enslaved. Okay? He's not going to come under the power or the extended influence of anything. So, A, here are the questions. Is it a vice? A vice is that which gains power or control over us. A vice is a moral fault or failing that holds us in its grasp. Think of the function of a vice. All right, those of you who are in construction, you work with vices, or a vice grip pliers that hold something securely in its grasp. The idea here is if something can get a hold of you and bring you under its power, uh, we might refer to it as addicting, then it should be avoided at all costs. So here are some questions to ask ourselves whether or not I'm becoming enslaved to a behavior or an activity. Number one. Do I have a problem stopping either short-term or long-term? What I mean by that is once I start doing it, okay, uh, let's say a video game, and you start playing the video game, do you have a hard time stopping playing a video game? Now, I don't play video games at all, but there was a time that I did, okay, I was never... uh, a huge video game player because I didn't have the console and all the good stuff, okay? But what I did have was Pac-Man, right? Everybody know what Pac-Man is? What's that? Heard an amen, over here. An, an amen? Okay. Oh, it's got to be an older person. I knew it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's yesterday technology. Well, I used to like to play Pac-Man, and now I have to fess up, okay? One Weekend. It was a it was a holiday weekend, kind of like uh, Memorial Day or something. I, actually, I think it was New Year's Eve. But uh, I came home from church and I started playing Pac-Man. And I had the old version of Pac-Man. The newer version of Pac-Man you could put on hold, okay, and uh, walk away from it, and then come back and restart. I didn't have that. My Pac-Man, you had to continue to play and. Uh, if you stopped, it meant your men were starting to be eaten. Okay, I don't remember the right names for this stuff. So anyhow, here's, I shouldn't say this, but I'm, here I am. Got into this. So I, I'm playing Pac-Man, and I've been playing about three hours. And I have to go to the bathroom. Okay. But I can't go to the bathroom because it's going to eat my, eat my men. All right. So, so I have to hold it for another hour. <clears throat> and now I'm feeling extremely uncomfortable. But I have a lot of men build up. So I ran to the bathroom and ran back, and I was still okay. All right, I still had, had some men left. And, and it, <clears throat> if, if you played it long enough, you realize certain things. And it's been years, so you know, I don't remember it all, but I think it was every fourth level, the screen 
comes back and you get the same pattern back. And, and you can memorize all this stuff. That's how much I did that, okay? Plus my mind was better in those days. But anyway, <clears throat> I was playing the game. And after about six or seven hours of this, because I was determined that I was going to let this thing beat me, my hands started going numb from the controller, you know, squeezing this thing and stuff. And, you know, so I'd have to stop and shake my hand and, and keep, keep playing. Well, about, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, I beat the thing. It reset it. It went back to zero. Okay. I didn't ever play it again. I won. <laughs> you know, and, and that was it. But as I look back at it, that was, for me, addicting. It probably wasn't uh, the best use of time. Okay? So it can be addicting short term. Never had a problem after I beat it. Never played it again. But, or it can be addicting long term. It may not be something that you have a hard time putting down, but it might be something that you habitually go back to. And you find yourself over and over again being drawn to it. Number two, do I have a compulsion to, to do it? Do I have strong urges to satisfy the desire to do it? Do I think during the day, oh, I wish I could be doing this? Or uh, you're constantly drawn in your thoughts to, to doing a certain activity or a behavior. Am I losing sleep over it? Am I staying up late night to do this when I ought to be getting rest? Okay, but because I like to do this so much, you start losing sleep over it. Am I neglecting responsibilities to make time for it? Uh, am I neglecting my homework? Am I neglecting household chores? Am I neglecting other things I ought to be doing in order to be doing this other thing? Am I wasting money on it that needs to go for other things? Now, here this is subjective. <clears throat> and when I do my uh, premarital counseling and we get into finances, one of the things that I say uh, to young couples is that everybody's frugal in their own way. Uh, everybody is wasteful in their own way. Uh, the, th the, the difficulty is getting two people that are on the same page, all right? So that what one person thinks is a waste of money, another person thinks is important. Getting your hair done, let's say, okay? Uh, somebody may think that's real important. Another person would say, ah, it doesn't matter, you know, you know. Cut your own hair, okay? Uh, you know, it could be an activity, okay? It could be hunting, it could be fishing, it could be whatever, biking, you know, and spending money on a bike. And some people would say, well, that's really good for your health and that's important. <clears throat> and it's not about who's right or who's wrong. I'm just saying to you that what you want to do bad enough, you find money to do it, okay? And people argue, and couples argue, because uh, one wants to spend the money on one thing and one wants to spend the money on a, another thing. Um, I'm talking about uh, an inordinate amount of money that's spent so that it starts taking away from, say, money to purchase food, okay? And uh, the, I don't have enough money to purchase food, but I have enough money to do this. Well, that's kind of enslaving. And, I'm, and I am purposefully not using examples tonight. Uh, it won't get any more specific as this. Uh, so you fill in the this for, for you. But am I 
using money that I need for other things in order to satisfy this craving or this desire. Six, is it interfering in important relationships that I have to others? Uh, if you say to your wife, don't talk to me, <laughs> don't bother me, I'm doing this, okay, and come back after I've done this, and that might be four hours later, okay? Uh, so uh, is it interfering with uh, relationships? Uh, you know, you say, oh, I think we ought to go visit somebody tonight. Oh, no, we can't do that because I'm going to do this. And uh, so uh, is it interfering with relationships? Is it harmful in any way? Is it harmful physically? Is it harmful emotionally? Is it harmful spiritually? If we answer yes to any of these questions, we need to consider more closely the appropriateness of the behavior that we're engaging in. So let, I, I will give you one example. Okay, so let, let's say drinking, for example. You know, the Bible doesn't say that drinking is a sin, nor does it say that a person cannot drink. But certainly, drunkenness is. Uh, the question is, am I getting enslaved to this? Is, is this, am I spending too much money on this? Am, am I looking forward to this drink more than, than what I should? Is it in any way taking over my life? But again, it doesn't have to just be drinking, and it can be innocuous kind of things. It can be things that are fine in and of themselves, but they begin to rule our lives and have a, a, an unhealthy consequence. So see, if we answer yes to any of these questions, we need to consider more closely the appropriateness of the behavior that we're engaging in. Number two, the second question to ask when making a decision about behavior or activity is, is it beneficial in any way? The first are things to avoid it. Uh, now, is it beneficial? And if there's absolutely no benefit in it, then why do it? All right, uh, so the benefit may be very small. The benefit may be huge. Obviously, the bigger the benefit, the more likely we ought to do it. The smaller the benefit, uh, we ought to question whether or not to do it. A, the word translated as helpful has the following range of meanings. To help, confer a benefit, be advantageous, or profitable or useful. The second word translated build up literally means to build or to restore. So here are some categories and some questions. C. Some, some categories and questions that I can ask myself to evaluate the worthiness of an activity or behavior. The first is it strengthening me in some way, physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Is it building me up? Okay, so jogging. That has a beneficial activity. Okay, lifting weights, that builds us up. Uh, playing sports. Okay. Spiritually, is it building me up? My Bible reading, my prayer, all those kind of things. Emotionally, emotionally, is it somehow strengthening me? Two, is it restorative in some way? Do I find it to be relaxing? Do I find it to be relaxing? Uh, it's okay to relax. It's okay to unwind. It's okay to be enjoying life. <clears throat> and how one person relaxes and how another person relaxes can be quite different. I'm burying my soul to you tonight. I, I'm probably going to regret it when I go home. But to me, the most relaxing thing in the world 
is at two o'clock in the morning on a beautiful summer evening is to drive around in a convertible with a top down. There's nobody on the road. I love to drive, the wind going through your hair, and to me that is nirvana. I, okay, all right. You can see some of these illustrations are dated, all right? I don't even own a convertible anymore, all right? That, that's how good I'm being, but okay. When I had hair and when I had a convertible, now you know why I'm such a nervous wreck today, okay? I can't relax, I don't have my convertible. No, I to, yeah, all right. So, what do you find to be, be relaxing? Is it soothing in some way? Is it helping me to overcome a destructive behavior? Uh, replacing a bad thing with a good thing, all right? So the good thing, you know, if I have, trying to quit smoking, maybe you start chewing gum. Uh, at least it's helpful trying to exchange one behavior for another behavior. But is it relaxing? And what is relaxing for one thing, person can be non-relaxing for another person. Since I've gone down this road of burying my soul, let me tell you another story. <clears throat> I was uh, out in uh, Seattle uh, visiting my aunt uh, who lives there, and uh, we did a number of different things together, and one of the things that we did was, and again, this is probably 12 years ago, 15 years ago, more, 20 years ago, Time flies when you're having fun. Okay, 20 years ago, I was out visiting my, my uh, aunt in Seattle, and they had GameWorks, and GameWorks had just opened. Uh, GameWorks was uh, actually uh, a Microsoft game outlet. Uh, Bill Gates and Microsoft is located, headquarters is in Seattle, Washington. So GameWorks was a virtual reality gaming place. Uh, it was, instead of just playing the game, you were in the game, okay? So, like, let's say Mario Brothers. How many people know what Mario Brothers is? Okay, so if you were playing Mario Brothers, you were Mario. And so you'd be strapped in, and you'd be in a harness, and instead of playing the game and you'd see Mario jump from one level to, le to another level, you're playing the game and it picks you up, and you jump from one level to another level. So you are actually participating in the game. You are experiencing the game. Well, I was not a huge Mario fan, but one of the things they did have was an Indy 500 game. Aha, okay, that's my thing, okay. So I sat in this Indy 500 car. It was a car just like an Indy 500 car. It was specked out, you know, it had the Gauges that had everything. It was, it was a really nifty, nifty thing. And had a screen, and you had to wear a headset, you know, and it covered your eyes, and this, this is when virtual reality was just really taking off, and this car would, would, would move and shake, and it could do all kinds of contortions. And you were racing in the Indy 500. I, you had to be there to experience this. I can't explain that to you. Except that, you know, I'm not used to driving 200 miles an hour. 
My wife is, but I'm not, okay? So, <laughs> I'm not used to driving 200 miles an hour in heavy traffic. And I got such an appreciation for what it takes to drive in an Indianapolis race car for a couple of hours. I was on there for three minutes. And with cars whipping around your stuff, and you're doing three, and you feel like you're doing 200 miles an hour, and you feel like this car is right next to you. And of course, I crashed by the end of my three minutes, but my heart was racing. I was sweating. The, the, the sweat was just rolling off of me. And I got out of that car literally shaking. Okay. And so 20 years ago, I was in half decent shape. Uh, and I, uh, the sweat's pouring off of me, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath, and I have such an appreciation now for the guys that drive these cars and how difficult that is. But, you know, it really wasn't relaxing. Uh, it was nerve-wracking. Okay. So is this relaxing? And what might be relaxing to one person is not to another. Three, is it making me a better person in some way? Am I acquiring a useful skill through doing this? Okay, knitting, uh, crocheting, you know, this, is, it, is it valuable? Is it, is, it, is it a worthwhile skill? Am I learning something of value? Am I developing a virtue as a result of this behavior? That is, that is patience. Am I, am I learning patience? Um, my brother was a model, M-O-D-E-L, king. He used to love models. And he put together all kinds of things in a very painstaking fashion, uh, whether it be cars. And, and he eventually moved into ships. Uh, and not boats, but, 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 uh, but ships. And uh, the old uh, full rigging mass, three things, and he would string the, the, the string. He, he built one one time that was something like 16 feet long, and uh, he put this together, and you know, he spent <clears throat> about two years on building this model ship to scale, right? Uh, that takes incredibly discipline and patience to do. Uh, I have no patience. I like cars. Forget the ships. I would put model cars together, but I blew the hood down so I didn't have to put time with the engine. <laughs> so it looked okay on the outside, but, but then there was no engine. In the car. But you didn't know unless you turned it over and looked at the bottom. I mean, you know. So, because uh, I had the time, I had the patience. I didn't want to sit there and glue and do all that kind of stuff. Just snap the thing together and get it done. Okay? So, uh, what is a good thing, is something that teaches you some patience, some, some value to, to that particular activity. Okay, four, is it helpful, is it helping me to become more productive? A lot of techie stuff that you can do, and you can spend a lot of time on, on tech, but it can, not be, it can be more than a hobby. Uh, it can teach you to be productive, and it can be useful in many different ways. Is it in some way helpful to others? Am I producing something that is useful? So here I am, and you know, maybe it's working with leather, and I produce a belt, and I give that away at Christmas or whatever. You know, there are a lot of tangible things that we can, we can do, that we end up with a product, we end up with a result. 
And uh, it can be helpful to somebody else. Is it benefiting someone in a tangible way? If you like the scrapbook, maybe you're putting things together and making a, a piece that then you can give to a family member or relative and they can enjoy the memories, etc. There's loads of things that you can do that are beneficial to other people. Is it positively inspiring or worthy of imitation? Uh, just excelling at something can be inspiring. So you look at that and, and, and uh, you admire, okay, artwork. Loads of things that, that, that people create and, and uh, you say, wow, that, that's, that's really good. And, and you think, well, I ought, to, I ought to develop my creative side a little more. Uh, writing poetry, all kinds of stuff that, that could fit into that, that category. Okay, is it, is it beneficial in some way and benefit can be construed in many, many different ways? Third, the ultimate test for what I do and say is, will it dishonor God in any way? I've been talking about activities and behaviors, but I feel amiss if I wouldn't say this. That is, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, we should engage in behaviors with an appropriate attitude and end in view. Uh, that I, I need to do this not only is to ask the question, is it the right thing for me to do, or is it uh, something in which I might dishonor God even though it's okay? For example, number one, do I tend to lose my temper when doing this? Do I tend to become impatient? Okay. Do I lose my temper or do I be, tend to become impatient? I remember a number of years ago I was at Pinebrook and we were playing volleyball and there was an, another young pastor across from me playing volleyball, okay? And uh, as I say, we were at Pinebrook. And this guy was a, a very good volleyball player, but he, he also tended to be a hothead, okay? He's very competitive. And uh, he was losing his cool. And uh, as I'm standing across from the net from him, I'm saying under my breath, cool it. <laughs> it's not worth it, you know? Uh, you're, you're, you're not coming across real well here, brother. And, uh, you know, think about your testimony more than winning this game. Uh, and I wasn't the competition. I mean, I wasn't trying to back off for my benefit. Uh, it's just that he couldn't play and just enjoy the game. He was highly, highly competitive. Is it something that, you know, I tend to lose my temper over him? So it might be okay in and of itself, but for me, uh, it just brings out the worst in me as opposed to the, the betterment in me. And we have to ask that for ourselves and each one of that, uh, that will be different. So uh, do I lose my temper? Do I tend to become impatient? B, we should seek to glorify God and not ourselves. Is this tending to make me proud? Okay. Uh, am I becoming arrogant because of, of doing this? Am I beginning to put myself on a pedestal? Uh, am I viewing myself as superior to others? Is this in some way limiting my testimony for Christ? Uh, these are kinds of things that we should ask. So you get into sports, and uh, while there's nothing wrong with sports, and some people use sports to bring honor and glory to God, uh, sports also can dishonor God, depending on how we respond to success or failure or, as I say, competition and all these other things. So that's part of the question, too. Uh, C, we should conduct ourselves in an honorable way 
while engaging in the activity or behavior. Even board games, you know, uh, you can play board games and lose your cool. Uh, and if that's the case, then maybe it's best that you don't play the board game rather than, you know, get upset and throw it across the room or something. That's probably not the best thing. D, thus it is more than just what we do. It includes how and why we do it. All right? uh, just some random thoughts as we're in this random series uh, thinking about things in the scripture. But uh, let's bring honor to glory to God in, in whatever we do. I'm done. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace to us. And uh, Lord, we are thankful for the many things in life that you've given us to enjoy. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for the freedom that you've granted to us, uh, that uh, all things are lawful, that are not uh, strictly forbidden in the scriptures. Give us wisdom in what we do and not do, and help us, Lord, in the way that we do them. Uh, that uh, we do them in such a way that we don't dishonor you, but rather bring honor and glory to you. Uh, help us to use our time wisely. Uh, may we use our time enjoyably. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us all things to, to enjoy and to find pleasure in. And certainly there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with relaxing. There's nothing wrong with doing those things that bring joy if they're good and of themselves. So, Lord, uh, help us in our determinations and uh, Lord, uh, be pleased, and may we be a benefit and help to others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.